What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Hey guys, I'm Kaylee Shore, and this is the first episode of Too Much to Say. I'm so excited to be doing this. I've been wanting to do a podcast for forever, and I've always loved being a guest on other people's, but it wasn't until Mike and Bobby from the Bobby Bones Show and the Nashville Podcast Network came to me with this idea that I felt like it could actually happen. So it takes a village, and they had this crazy idea to be like, let's give Kaylee a microphone and see what dumb shit she says into it which is basically just me on tour. If you've ever seen a show, you know the things that I've said on stage that my mother would probably be horrified about. So this will be my first and only apology. It's a blanket apology to my mother, to my ex-boyfriends, and to my publicist. You get one apology in advance. That was it. That's all you're getting. Now let the fun begin. (laughs) But don't go asking questions that you don't of the first song on my debut album, Open Book, which came out about a year ago. It was a long road getting to that album, and the album ended up just completely changing my life. But too much to say, I viewed it sort of as the thesis statement to the album, being like, hey, this is what you're in for, this is what you're getting, this is what it's about. If you want to turn around, you can right now. And don't listen to the rest of the album if you're not ready to go there, which I respect if you're not ready to go there, because there's some heavy shit on there. It felt just so fitting to call the podcast that because this is literally just that song, um, but 25 minutes long and it happens every week. So (laughs) open book just completely changed my life, but it did not happen overnight at all by any means. I released my first single in 2016 and it was called Fight Like a Girl. I was really, really blessed because for it being my first single, it did a lot of really wonderful things. It was played on country radio. It was on CMT. I got to be in Teen Vogue because of it. It was like all this like crazy stuff happened. And I had been working towards music for a while, but I absolutely know how blessed I was to have something like that hit so early on in my career. But that was pretty much the last easy thing that happened. (laughs) After Fight Like a Girl started doing really well on the radio... I met with every label in town 
and they just felt like there wasn't enough other music to put out. They didn't like the other stuff I was doing. And then I became obsessed with chasing radio and, and chasing that really commercial country sound. And I grew up playing in a Nirvana cover band. Country music is my love, but I have just as much rock roots that I needed to be honoring, but I kind of grew away from because I was just chasing what I thought people wanted me to be doing, which, um, spoiler alert, save yourself the time and just don't do that. It like, it's never worked for anybody. So I was writing these songs that were just what I thought people wanted to hear. And there would be times in co-writes where I'd be writing a song and I'd have a line. I'd be like, I want to say that, but I can't say that because somebody will get offended or it'll piss somebody off or it's too real, which is such bullshit because whenever anybody asked, asked me or like ever, and they've been like, why do you do country music if you're from Maine and you don't have a Southern accent? I'm like, well, country music is honest music. It's three chords in the truth. It's raw and it's real people's stories coming from real people and nothing's glossed over. And I would say that. And then I would not tell the truth. I would gloss everything over. And there was just such a, you know, it was just very oxymoronic and I needed to stop, but it wasn't just going to be that easy. I'm not, ashamed or embarrassed of any of the music I've put out. I mean, I was 21 when I was recording these songs and I just hadn't really seen that much shit to write about. I mean, I I had a pretty interesting childhood, which I'm sure we will get into plenty on this podcast, but I hadn't really had my heart truly, truly broken. And I was trying to come up with new songs for what I thought was going to be my debut album. This was right after I released my EP, Awake. And I had this like, you know, collection of of really commercial country songs about beer and parties and, you know, just lighter stuff. And I I still think they're good songs, but life happened and everything changed. So in the midst of me writing those songs and getting ready to kind of start recording them and thinking of the project, uh my my boyfriend of 6 years cheated on me while I was on the road and I came home from a show with my good friend, Lauren Elena. And uh, little did we know that when we were on stage, he was doing something he should not have been doing. So my life, I just essentially had to light it on fire and decide if I wanted to stay with him, if I, I wanted to leave, and I made the choice to leave. But we had dogs. We were on the same car insurance. We had an apartment together. Like, I had to, everything changed overnight. And all of a sudden, I woke up and I was... 24 years old. And the last time I was single, I had, I was 18. I mean, I literally had no idea. I was like, what is Tinder? What the, Oh, well, I'll tell you what Tinder is. That'll be a whole other episode. I promise. Wow. That was a time. So the breakup was hard and I I took it hard and, you know, I was writing songs about it and I was making jokes about it and I was going on dates and, and just, you know, finally acting my age for once, honestly. But behind the scenes, there's a lot of shit going on. And when I look back at pictures of me from the summer of 2018, I just look, I can just see how sad I was. I can see how little I was eating. I can see how little I was sleeping. I can see how much I was smoking and how much I was drinking. And I will never tell you to not have an adult beverage if that's not a problem for you. But for me, I feel like the real addiction was never that it was like being around people I was like addicted to not being alone so I would just go out all the time and I was kind of having my 
college years a little bit late. And, you know, it was, it was a time and I think I needed to go through it, but it was, it was pretty crazy. And I just went back and forth so many times. I was like, did I just lose the love of my life? Did I make a terrible choice? Like what's going on? I was mourning that I was dealing with the fallout and I lost so many friends in that breakup as well, which honestly I think will still always be the worst part of that is the the friends that I lost because of that breakup. But, you know, time and certain situations will show you who your real friends are. But right when I kind of thought I was getting over that or getting closer to over that, I was in therapy, I was working on myself, and I was like coming out of this black hole my sister passed away. So not only did I lose my boyfriend and best friend of six years, but my sister passed away from an accidental heroin overdose. And it was just back to fucking back. And I just couldn't even believe that it was that much at once. Like I was just so numb because I didn't know that that could happen. And, and then all you want in situations that are so upsetting like that is something familiar and something that, you know, you know, and I didn't have any of that. And I had new friends who didn't really understand all the situations with my family because we, they were just newer friends. That's just how it works. So it just could not have been more ridiculous. And then on top of everything, it was in the tabloids. And I never thought that I would, the first time I would feel famous would be because my sister's death was in the tabloids and it was just like the craziest time. I remember I was on a music video shoot for my song Awake. It was the pop remix and we'd already put down the deposit for the location and already set everything up. And I had a couple days before I flew home for a funeral and I was like, you know, I I just want to go to work. I want to get my mind off it and do like one good thing. I know it's what she would want and I'm just going to go do this shoot and get through it. So I pull myself out of bed, I go to the shoot, and at one point I was sitting there in between shots looking at my phone, scrolling through Snapchat, like the little news pop-ups, and I saw one and it was like Kaylee's heroin heartache. And it was a screen grab of, of me sitting at a piano and then like talking about my sister's death. And it was the most surreal experience. And Nashville is such a small town. And, and after that, I, you know, I went back to the, the whole addicted to not being alone thing and I would go out a lot. And I remember, you know, it being like 2 a.m. and I would be chain smoking cigarettes at a bar somewhere, just drinking way too much. And the problem is when I'm drunk, I don't really show it. So I'm not normally messy, but like I was pretty drunk. And someone comes up to me and asks me for a picture, which was, you know, I'm always cool with that. I I have no problem with that. But they asked me for a picture and they were like, I'm so sorry to hear about your sister. Like, how are you doing? And I had like for a while been like, you know, after the breakup been like, I'm looking on the bright side, but how do you look on the fucking bright side of that? So I was like, like, how are you doing? I was like, oh, fucking awful. Thanks for asking. (laughs) And this person was so taken aback. I'm like, what do you want me to say? Like, what? what do you expect me to have to say right now? Like everything happens for a reason. No, I do not feel that way right now. I actually feel quite the opposite. And it felt so good to just be honest. And it, you know, it was a stranger and I don't hold anything against this person at all, but it was a very formative moment for me in learning to kind of own where you're at and own your emotions. 
So as all this is happening, my writing is changing. I have stopped writing about beer (laughs) and I've stopped writing about, you know, just the lighter things. And I had to return to how I wrote songs when I first started writing them, which was on my bedroom floor, usually crying a little bit (laughs) and doing it because I needed to. And every single time I get to write a song, I'm so happy and I love it so much. But this was the difference between liking what I do and needing to do it. So the songs just fell out. I mean, they were so natural. It was mostly me and, you know, the the realest songs that came out were just me writing with my friends. And I wrote this song on the album called The One with my best friend Savannah Kyes and my producer Skip Black. And it was literally 10 hours after the breakup. And I just went, went in the studio and neither one of them knew what had happened. And I walked up and I was like, guys, we broke up. And I cried on the original vocal that we did and it was so emotional. And when I wrote the world keeps spinning with Robin Collins and my producer, we had all lost somebody and skip had actually lost his niece a few months before my sister to the same thing, which was an accidental heroin overdose. And we wrote this song from such a real place. And every single time I've been able to do that, it's just felt like so healing And there's nothing else that's ever been able to put me back together like that. Um, It's such a God thing, and and I'm so thankful for it. And that's just the beauty of music. So as all these songs are coming out, my manager, we'd been planning this project. And I I actually, for a minute, I thought it was going to be called Roses and Bones because of this line I'd written called, you have to let the good things go and... Wait, (laughs) you have to let the good things grow and the bad things go. Water the roses and bury the bones. But as I kept writing and kept living and kept having these things happen, I was like, "Mm, there's a lot less roses than I thought there would be. It's literally just bones. And him and I were on the phone one day and he was like, Kaylee, all you're doing is crying and listening to Fiona Apple and Alanis Morissette. Like, just make your moody bitch record. He's like, just own it. Stop trying to make it commercial or make it palatable. He's like, just write what you need to write because you're going through an insane period of your life. And people who are going through similar things, they're going to need that record. They're going to need those songs. And it was terrifying, but I mean, having somebody that I respect who's on my team, who knows me better than anybody and is one of my best friends, shout out Todd, having him tell me to do that, that was like all the confidence I needed to take that first step and write those songs. So I would say one of the first really big moments writing wise that happened that changed the trajectory of the record was when I wrote this song called Vices that's on the album. And it was one of the first times I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, okay, what am I doing that's making this situation worse? What am I contributing to an already shitty situation? And I needed to be able to name it. I needed to be able to like look at myself in the mirror and be like, you're doing this and that's not okay. They always say the first step's admitting you have a problem. Well, that song was me admitting that I had several problems. And there's nothing pretty about it. I mean, there's nothing pretty about chain smoking and and drinking whiskey and chasing whiskey shots with straight whiskey, no matter how impressive people think it is at a bar. There's nothing pretty about that. There's nothing pretty about, you know, me going over to my ex-boyfriend's house at two in the morning and then finding out he has a girlfriend and then not even caring. Like, that's shitty. That's bad shit. 
And I was going through it. And I believe in this thing called heartbreak amnesty, where like when you're going through a rough time, you kind of get to do whatever you want a little bit, um, a little bit. Notice there's a big emphasis on a little bit. But I was running out of heartbreak amnesty really quick. And I was like, I'm making this harder on myself and I'm making bad decisions and I need to figure it out. And so Vices was a huge step for me to just sit there and and write that song with Robin Collins and John Caldwell. And it was just me finally admitting that to myself. And that was a huge, huge step. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. I think that the second biggest step I made in the album Becoming What It Is is a song called F.E. Forever. I don't think I would have ever believed you if you told me that the first time I would be written up in the New York Times would be about a song I wrote called F.E. Forever. And this song, I never thought it was going to see the light of day. I really didn't. I mean, it was so far-fetched. I'm a country artist. Like, you can't do that. They say that. But I did. Anyways. So... I remember writing that song with Candy Carpenter and Annie Wilgen, who are two of my closest friends. I've known Annie. We used to work at a hotel front desk together. And Candy and I met playing Song Suffragettes in Nashville. And we were just talking about our shitty boyfriends, and Candy had this idea and um, about a ring on your middle finger, and I just loved it. We all loved it. Annie had just gone through like a terrible breakup that was really similar to mine. Candy's been through some shit. And... We just like aired it all out and it felt so fucking good to just say it. And my personal favorite way of processing like really bad things is by poking fun at them. Um, Yes, it's a coping mechanism, but it's also just like you can't take yourself too seriously. You can't take this shit too seriously. You have to kind of like have that separation, at least for me. It, It does work in my opinion in my life. But so we kind of poked fun at it a little bit and you know, but the second verse is about real shit. I mean, it's about 
domestic violence. Um, <laughs> it's about cheating. It's about my friends sleeping with my ex after we broke up and they knew he was abusive. I mean, that's a real thing. And I talked about it in this song. I never thought that was going to see the light of day. But I remember I finished it. I loved it so much. I drove over to my manager's office and I was like, Todd, I want to play you the song. And I remember he just listened to it, didn't say a word. He sat back in his chair and he goes, well, fuck, I guess we're doing this. And that was like, I mean, that was the last fuck I had to give. That fuck was the last fuck she ever gave. Yeah, pretty much. So it was just like, you know, a huge, huge moment for me to be like, no, I can say that. And I'd spent all this time in Nashville writing these songs and having people say you can't say that or that little voice in my head being like you can't say that well guess what you can and I have heard from so many women who've been through shitty situations like that who've been like Effie forever like really helped me through my divorce like that's real shit and it makes I just like music makes you feel less alone especially when you're going through something and there's so much shame surrounding like heartbreak and and you know overdose and all these things and so having music that makes you feel like you're not the only person that's happened to and that there's no reason to be ashamed of it is really important and those were the songs that got me through so I wanted to be able to put songs like that back into the universe and it the crazy thing is like after all that I was so terrified and these songs were so raw and so real and I was like no way is this gonna make any sense people really fucking liked it I mean, I have a plaque from the New York Times on my on my wall saying it's the number seven best album of 2019. That's crazy. And all I did was just get drunk on my floor with my friends and write real stories about real things. And my fans were so loud in how much they they liked it and, and shared it with people. And I mean, the amount of just press the album got, especially because I had no promotional budget at all. Like, because <laughs> my budget is... Um, my bank account and uh, whatever credit I have available on Capital One. Um, so that's that's my funding. Uh, welcome to the life of an independent artist. My label is Capital One. Um, but it it just did what it did because people liked it. And that's insane and amazing and so great to know. And it just gave me this incredible new perspective where I was like, holy shit, like people want real things. There's so much escapism right now, like everywhere. And I understand the role that that plays. Like sometimes I do want to go to a concert and I want to forget my problems and I want to drink a beer and I want to dance. And there is nothing wrong with that. But also it's a healthy dose of that. And then also finding art that makes you a little uncomfortable, but makes you realize something new about yourself. Alanis Morissette always did that for me. She has some really, really incredible songs. Um, One of my favorite songs of hers is Are You Still Mad? Some of the lyrics to that are just so insanely specific, but so beautiful. Like, are you still mad? Like, I had an emotional affair. Are you still mad? I compared you to all my male friends. Like, just stuff like that. And it's just like, she can just say that. You can just say that. And it doesn't just apply to songwriting. It applies to how honest you are on a first date with somebody. It applies to how honest you are when somebody asks you how you're doing and you're not doing great. Why do we say we're doing okay? Why is that a thing that like, if somebody asks you how you're doing, there is one appropriate response. It's like, I'm good. How are you? You can be a lot of things other than good. You can be fucking awful. You can be tired. You can be ecstatic. You can be like all this whole spectrum of things. And we try to just 
like distill it down to good, what does good even mean? Also, I don't want to be doing good. I want to be doing great. You know what I'm saying? So I learned a lot from that and I am so happy to be able to have this podcast. I, you know, am, am learning as I go here. We're just kind of seeing what happens, uh, what I say into this microphone, it's going to be interesting. But if there's anything that you guys want to see or hear, I guess here, if there's anything you guys want to hear on this podcast, be sure to tweet me at Kaylee Shore. I would love, you know, if you guys have any questions or anything you want me to do an episode about, any guests that you want, any advice you might need, just let me know. This is such a fun thing for me because it's all about us connecting. It's you know, me alone in my bedroom with a a lovely spritzer that I'm enjoying a lot, but it's also, you know, me coming through your headphones and us getting to kind of hang out. So let's make it that I will have so much fun doing this. I'm already just ecstatic and I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and just me, you know, oversharing and, and word vomiting. There will be so, so much more of that. I think we probably would have called the podcast word vomit if that wasn't just like such an unappealing sentence you know it's not an appealing phrase so i hope you guys tune in next week we're gonna have episodes every week and you guys can follow me let me know what you want to hear and thank you so much for listening i really appreciate it i'm kaylee shore and this was too much to say but don't go asking questions that you don't This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, guys. You know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.